What's good, everybody? I'm back here doing the podcast that I promised to do again. It's your boy, Chef Buck. I'm back again. Hopefully, we get this whole thing in, this, these predictions in for the season in less than a half hour because, man, I'm tired. Jeez, uh, it's like 3, in the mor- three, three 4 in the morning. about to do this podcast. Obviously, a little bit of things change, but overall, most of the things happened the last couple of days that I expected. Um, but first, I guess before I get into that and the rankings, I just gotta say one thing: is I was listening to Wager Talk, the uh, sports betting show with that idiot, the Presman guy. Fuck that guy. Him, Teddy covers, Rob Vino, Mid Major Matt, and that dumb fucking idiot. That does not need to be, that does not deserve to be on Wager Talk. That provides the most worthless insights and trends and angles I have ever seen. Known as Ralph Michaels. This guy will be like, oh, well, um, home dogs in this, when they are home dogs playing a ranked team, they are three and four or 40%. It's like, or whatever, three and eight. It's like, dude, that's the most worthless trend ever. This dude's the biggest worthless, worthless piece of shit ever. Okay. I was listening. I was listening to him talk about talking about the Georgia Clemson game, and he was saying, "Well, well, uh, uh, Georgia, they bet if they lose to Clemson." They better win all the rest of their games because if they lose to if they beat if they beat Clemson, but they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, then uh then uh they're gonna be in the outside looking in because it's gonna be Alabama. If they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, it'll be Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Ohio State because every team gets gets a team in the big in the in the college football playoff. Then what's the fucking point of even playing the Georgia Clemson game tomorrow? Then send send Georgia home. If Georgia is going to beat Clemson tomorrow. Today or today I should say. And then still go and they can win. And go undefeated the whole regular season, but only lose to the defending national championship Alabama and miss the college football playoff, then what's the fucking point of even playing the game? If you play a team and you beat them, you beat if you're Georgia and you beat Clemson, but win all of the rest of your games and you miss the college football playoff because oh well uh we gotta have one team from every conference. Okay, well how why Okay, well, first of all, why the hell would Clemson, the same team that Georgia would hypothetically beat, deserve a spot over Georgia if Georgia beat them? I mean, you. what else would Georgia have to do? If Georgia beats Clemson tomorrow, I don't want to hear anybody, anybody tell me that Clemson deserves a spot over them. No one. And they say, well, but what about Oklahoma? They have Spencer Rattler. If they go 11-1 and Georgia goes 11-1, Oklahoma deserves a spot over them. And you know what? Did they beat... Did they beat... Georgia? That I think it was Lincoln Riley's first year. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I was a fresh... I was, I was 19 years old when that happened. But things have changed. Whenever Oklahoma has gone up against more, ta- uh, they they when they've played Alabama and LSU, they've looked totally overmatched. I mean, I in my opinion, in my opinion, if they if in the in the right matchup, they could get they could look totally exposed. I mean, they, this team got this team was I think two years two years ago or sorry three years ago against Alabama in the college football playoff. This team was down by what at what what they were down what thirty one points in the second quarter. All of it, and then all because Kyler Murray put up a bunch of points in the second half, it looked a bit more tolerable. 
Then two years ago, they were down 28 points in the second quarter to, to Kansas State, only to barely lose. This They got absolutely destroyed by LSU, which is somewhat respectable, but still, if you if you try to say that you deserve a spot over an, a, a one-loss SEC team, this team cannot compete on the big stage at all. Now, kind of, I guess I'll get in a bit of what I saw over the last couple of days here. Had maybe a little bit of an impact in what I, what what, I, what impacts I think I would, um, I guess on the season. I guess some of some in some ways I was vindicated. I didn't expect the Ohio State to look as. I mean, I I knew C.J. Stroud was going to be a step down from um, Justin Fields, but I didn't did not know it'd be this bad. I mean. What you throw for less than 100 yards in the first half? Throw it. Throw. You throw. I mean, the worst. The, the worst part that I saw is. I mean, I saw terribly, terribly inaccurate passes. I, I mean, you had. And this, let's remember, folks. The the people the 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 people will say that though. Like the critics of my analysis will say, well, oh, buckles. T.J. Stroud threw for 292 yards and four touchdowns and one, only one interception. He's just fine, Buckles. Well, yeah. Um, you also have probably one of the you have the best receiving core by far in college football, with probably two, if not three guys, if not more than that, that will be going in the first two rounds of the NFL draft, possibly even being future starter NFL receivers. You have at least two, if not more, running or feature or running backs that'll be drafted in the first four rounds of the draft at some point. You have a number of future NFL athletes on the offensive line. Yeah, see, and so basically anyone could could do the, do this good. And remember, let's just, let's not forget Cardale Jones. The Buckeye, any quarterback can thrive in this system and do good up to a certain extent. Let's not forget Cardale, Cardale Jones. A 6'4", 240-pound quarterback. Who had a strong arm, no athleticism whatsoever. Terrible scheme fit. Terrible quarterback. Who did, did just something... Ohio State was able to build such a strong team around him with Zeke Elliott, Jeff Hyerman, um, Devin Smith, Michael Thomas, and a, probably one of the best college football offensive lines I've ever seen. They were able to build such a strong offensive line. They were able to help make Cardale Jones win a national championship and make him look so good to the point where the Chargers drafted him in the first three rounds of the NFL draft and he possibly, if he would have declared after the 2014 season, he potentially could have gone in the first two rounds. That tells you all you need to know. Now, how is this relevant today? C.J. Stroud threw for. He may look good against. He, he may have looked solid in the second half of that game against Minnesota. He may look good in nine, ten, if not all, eleven of their other games. But when it comes to winning the national championship, when it comes down to those final five to six programs Ohio State's fighting against, that is when it will matter. That is when it will matter. Why did why was do you how how good do you think Ohio State would have done last year if they would have had CJ Stroud at quarterback? Do you think they'd have been able to put up as many what five the five touchdowns that Justin Fields put up? No. So and it's not just that he was throwing inaccurate passes, but also he's making terrible decisions on third down. It's clear that this guy is clearly, clearly not nearly as, as athletic as, as an Ohio State quarterback would would aspire to have. This is, I think, C.J. Stroud is clearly the worst starting quarterback that they've had since Urban Meyer came to the program in 2012. I think it's clear if you're Ohio State, you got to look at what three quarterbacks have been the most have helped your offense be the most most successful. I think C.J. Stroud is probably comparable not only to Cariel Jones, as I mentioned, but also 
Dwayne Haskins, who, th- who all, but you'll say, oh, well, he drew 50 touchdowns. Well, yeah, he was making terrible decisions on third down. He was, he tried to run for it on third and five or six, but he probably been better off throwing it to the best receivers in the country. Instead, he decided to run for it with no athleticism with, like I said, five guys in front of him. So C.J. Stroud is not good. And if I were house it, I would try to get rid of this guy as soon as possible. Find any way you can to get out, to get, to get rid of him. I would hope you have a guy in Quinn Ewers who is the highest rated quarterback in the history of college football. Or sorry, high school football. This guy, this guy even surpassing Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Previously, those two were one and two in the history of high school football. Now it's Quinn Ewers. You brought him in. Although a year earlier than expected, you got to find a way to get this guy in there because if you do not, if you do not use utilize this guy, the the future of the next three to four years of college football are all in in Ryan Day's hands. If the Buckeyes do not find a way to get Quinn Ewers in, he will end up elsewhere. He will end up in. Potentially, well, we wouldn't. I wouldn't say Tuscaloosa because they have Bryce Young. But you, you're talking. Can you imagine if if Quinn Ewers ends up in Norman, Oklahoma? That would be the worst possible thing imaginable for the Buckeyes because I cannot think of a better fit for a quarterback like Quinn Ewers and that Oklahoma air raid offense with an electric pocket passer like Quinn Ewers. And obviously, I did not. I did not expect. I did not have um, Virginia Tech defeating Oklahoma on my, um, sorry, or North Carolina on my, on my list of things to happen. But that happened apparently. It's clear to a couple things happened. Um, Sam Howell, I guess. I guess in some ways I was right about Samuel Sam Howell. I I, I still thought he was probably a, you know, first two round quarterback. But my gosh, did I think? Did I know he's this bad? Hell no. I thought that he'd be able to kind of, I thought it'd kind of be similar to what the Trevor Lawrence situation was, where he could make the guys around him better, but maybe was he a product of a strong team around him? If I'm, if I am, you know, New York or Denver for NFL, I'm looking, I am very satisfied now because looking at how terribly that offensive line, who's all, all five of those guys were there last year blocking for Ty, for, for um, Carter and, Javante Williams, and now now they're getting lit up. Sam Howell has no one to throw to. His numbers are not that great. Clearly not that mobile. I mean, this guy is clearly like a this guy is the kind of quarterback that's a dying type of quarterback. I mean, this is your Drew Brees, Kirk Cousins, um, Jimmy Garoppolo type quarterback. It just, I mean, putting up seven, seven, what, 10, 17 points, whatever they put up, was is not is not going to cut it. I think they can still get it together because they have a really talented roster. They have a good defense still, have a good quarterback and good offensive line still. Um, they're they're just going to have to get. They, have, they only have a couple good guys that are put, able, even able to catch the ball. So, a lot of work's going to be done. Michigan State, obviously, as well, looking pretty good. I kind of expect that to happen because Northwestern's in a kind of reloading year. So, as far as that goes, we'll have to see with North. Uh, Kenneth Walker III looked really good. This guy is probably one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, I'd say. Um, if you take out the Ohio State guys, I'd say probably, I mean, probably the, um, I got to say it's probably in the top two to three between them and Xander Horvath of Purdue. So as I'd say, let's get, the, let's get to the quick, um, let's get to the predictions here. Clemson had going 11-1. Um, the one concern about, I have about Clemson is, every, okay, so everyone's so hyped about DJ Uigalele. The concern about Clemson is if he goes down, Clemson's backup quarterback in Ty Fomachon towards ACL during spring, during spring ball. So if, if um, Uigalele were to go down during, during the season, they'd be down to a third-string walk-on quarterback. So Uigalele is their last scholarship quarterback on the roster. So if that's concerned, so second, so yeah, um, 
Defense is obviously one of the best in the country. Wide receiver, they're going to have to do a lot because they they obviously bring back Justin Ross, and they obviously, they're obviously not going to have a Travis Etienne this year, so that's going to be a lot to build up, rebuild from. Um, second place, I have Boston College in the ACC Atlantic going 8-4. and four. Um, I think this team is not talked a lot about talked a lot about because they have um they have quarterback in Yurkovic. They have a, I mean, they, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they always have a solid defense, but they have a quarterback in Phil Yurkovich. I'm pretty sure they have a good running game, but also um good offensive line. But they also have one of the best receivers with one of the, I believe it was one of the with some of the highest numbers in the, all of college football last year. And Zay Flowers is a true freshman, so. I like that uh, Jerkovich to Zay Flowers connection, which is why I had them going eight and four. I believe that this program is going in the right direction. I think, especially if you look at how I think this team is heading in the right direction after letting go of CDC, but as the 2019 season, especially after um, looking at how bad Colorado State looked today, it's looking like looking like a, this team can only be going in the right direction by just simply getting rid of. Steve Adazio, maybe he really had that bad of an impact on the team. Who knows? But I think Boston College gets second in this um, this division here. Third place, I have Louisville. It's kind of tough because they have Malik Cunningham. But I guess probably a much better offensive line, but they lose um, Tutu Atwell and they lose um, uh, the running back, Javion Hawkins. But in, Plus a lot of drama going on in Louisville. You had their, their head coach in uh, Scott Satterfield take a look in that South Carolina, South Carolina job. So... I guess there's a lot of I guess there's a lot of talent. There's a couple of good linebackers, but there's just there's a lot of gaps in the roster, and also so there's talent and there's gaps. Plus, you have the drama of Scott Satterfield. You, you, we have we have no idea it's gonna is that situation good or is it bad? Who knows? Um, NC State have six and six. Um, I think this this for NC State this could go a lot of ways. They look they they. Are doing pretty well. Their quarterback, um, I can't remember his name, but their quarterback last night was really good in South Florida. I actually bet them on the money line. I bet them on well, on a parlay actually, money line parlay um, minus nineteen. That by the way, that opened up at seventeen. It was up at nineteen by the time I got it. And double result. And they dominated. Their defense looked physical. Their offensive line looked really good. They have a really good offensive lineman. I think one of their right guards is one of the best right guards in all of the country. This was this team was absolutely dominating South Florida, who supposedly their strong suit is, is the, their front. They're off their, on, on the front, on the trenches. Yet, um, NC State dominated. I believe they, they, believe they even shut them out, but... The thing about NC State is they have so many toss-up games in their schedule that could go either way. Uh, they so they they play Mississippi State, which is a possible win, but they also play Louisville, Boston College, Florida State, Wake Forest. Um, they play Georgia. Yeah, they, they they play Virginia as well or Pitt. I'm not sure, but they, they my point is they have a lot of toss-up games, which was I them at six and six. They could go as good as you know. Eight nine wins in my opinion if they things go well, but it's just it go too many different ways, which is that which is why I have kind of a, a conservative six and six here. Wake Forest also at six and six. They have record their quarterback from last year and Sam Hartman back, but lost a couple guys to the transfer portal into the draft. But believe that they've been. I mean, Wake Forest has turned it around as a program in the last I don't know three four five years. So. They'll be competitive as long as they still have that Sam Hartman guy. I believe they'll be solid, but not. Elite. Actually, you know what? Check that. I'll have them at five and seven. So Florida State also have at five and seven. Um, I just don't know about this roster again. Well, Mackenzie Milton, who knows? He's this guy basically came up with a shattered leg. This program's in shambles. It's probably gonna take a while before uh, what's his name from Memphis? Um, Mike Norvell can return it around. So I'm gonna go to the Coastal Division. I had, I had North Carolina going at ten, ten and two. I had them losing. In my prediction, original prediction, I had them losing uh, to Virginia and Notre Dame. I knew they were gonna lose to, to a Virginia to one of the Virginia teams, if not both, because uh, North Carolina has struggled in Virginia in the last couple of years. They barely beat Virginia Tech as well last year. 
I don't know that this Burmeister guy would be that good. I figured I figured they'd be starting the other guy. What whose name I can't remember. But Virginia or North Carolina, I guess kind of the record can be considered misleading from the past couple of years because if you look at 2019, I believe all of their games were decided by a possession or less. I believe all their losses were. I'm not sure about their wins. Last year they won. They lost a lot of close games. I mean, for the talent they had last year, they lost some games they just definitely should not have lost. I mean, yeah, they lost to Virginia, but they also got down big. I believe they got down by three to by twenty by three or four touchdowns in the first half. They came back and almost won. Probably should have won against Florida State. So I guess I guess typically the norm is to expect the good and the bad of North Carolina. So I think they they easily could still I think despite this loss tonight they could still very easily win nine or even ten games, um. I guess Mac Mac uh, Mac Brown's a good coach and I think he could easily string it together. Miami have a ten and two in second place in the division. Um, I believe will they're on def- they I believe I have them below um North Carolina because I guess the run defense got gashed last year. They still have a lot of talent. They have um. This team does have, I believe, a uh, number of solid. They have, see, so they have a number of solid running backs from their teams in previous years. But um, yeah, they also have a solid defense. But I think that the I think that having De'Aaron King at quarterback is really a big time, really going to help them. I guess separate them from previous years. Where they you know choke uh, game they shouldn't lose. And the fact that they have a stronger front seven, they return their linebacking core. They had DeAndre Johnson from Tennessee. If we're talking that they have also Charleston Rambo, that's another solid addition. And third, I have Virginia. I think that this team is not have is not being talked about enough. Remember that uh, Bryce, their quarterback. See what Virginia was a team I had a lot of I paid a lot of attention to because well I guess they have a number of receivers like. I can't remember the names. So I think Robinson and Jan or someone like that are the receivers. But I was high on them last year. But um, their quarterback Bryce Armstrong got hurt, so he missed. I think it was three or four games, and they actually ended up putting. I think they were like four and one in the games that Bryce Armstrong actually started. So that's something to keep an eye on. I think they could go eight and four as well. Their defense was pretty solid as well too. Um. You know, just analysis on them a bit. Yeah, they return they return all five of their offensive line starters. Um, so they have a they have a Talapapa guy who is really also really good as well, and they also return a sophomore in Lavelle Davis who was one of the, who was one of the, another another indicator. Like I said, is yards per reception, which is how I. Detecting Sidney Fajoko, who got drafted in the draft. He was from Stanford last year. He had the best receiving yards per reception going into the season last year. This year, it's um, Lavelle Davis of Virginia. So they, they could also be really good. Then I have Virginia Tech at 8-4 and four as well. Um, it's probably I think between them and Virginia, we'll come down to that last game of the season. Um, in that, in that uh, deep, the rivalry that's historically, historically been dominated by the Hokies. Again, their defense looked really great yesterday. But questions remain about their offense, I feel like, because they obviously only put up, what, what 17 points? Um, let's see here. Then I have um, then I have Pittsburgh at 5-7. and seven. See, I'm, I'm missing a team. Well, I forgot to mention Syracuse had them at 2-10, and 10, cause, but who knows? Their quarterback straight could be good. But anyway, um, yeah, I have... I have uh, Pit two and at five and seven because I mean their defense is they have pick it back yeah sure but their defense is not going to be as solid I feel like and Georgia Tech I have a four and eight obviously they have a good court, young quarterback they're going the right direction but I just feel like it's doing too much for them this year now into the the Big Ten East it's the Big Ten now Big Ten East I have Ohio State winning the winning the East I like I said in the previous podcast I have them going eleven and one I feel like they're going to trip up somewhere my best guess is it'll be against Indiana. Because they're fired up and they have a solid offense, and they again they almost went into Columbus and beat them last year. I feel like that CJ or CJ Stroud has a trip up somewhere. There's I don't, I 
I can't see them winning every single game. Um, let's see, then Penn State. Penn State have going, I believe I've been going, let's see. Yeah, Penn State have going 9-3. and three. Um, Yeah, I'm going second in the in the conference in the division here. They're not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be easy for them, but uh, they they their their offensive coordinator, I guess. They yeah, like I said, Sean Clifford said I think three in like in the last three years. So it's not going to be not going to be easy, but I think that they can um certainly get through that here. Then I guess. Next, I have Michigan. Michigan, uh, I have them going eight and four. I guess Harbaugh in, the, in, his, in a full season. In Michigan's never gone lot, well less than eight games. Big time questions at quarterback: Is it going to be Bowman? Is it going to be McNamara? Running back. I guess they're they have a lot of unproven players. I guess they have a solid defense, which is going to be good. But their offense needs a lot of work because they have they have had a lot of guys transfer out. They don't have a Shea Patterson anymore, so it's going to be kind of tough to see for them to see where exactly they're going to be. Um, and then let's see here. Next up, I have the Indiana Hoosiers going eight and four. Um, they have a tough schedule. I mean, obviously, I mentioned how they had their turn. They, they their schedule, their results were kind of um, misleading last year. They won a lot of close. They won some close games. They also had a, high, a really strong turnover margin of twelve to eight, which is one of the best teams. So, best in the NCAA, I should say. Um, but now they, yeah, they, like I said, they have a tougher schedule this year. That not only did get to play Ohio State, not only did they rematch against in that heartbreak in that nail-biting win against um, Penn State, this time, this time being at Happy Valley. But you also have Cincinnati as one of your non, non-conference games. You, it's just like you can't catch a break. And yet, so, this team has, so this team has to go to Kinnick Stadium, to the Big House, and to Happy Valley, three of probably the top, I don't know, four, five, six places in the conference to play in. As a, I mean, then you also have to go to Purdue, and you have Minnesota coming to your place, which is definitely not easy. So, next I have Michigan State. I have them at like I don't know six and six. Looks good tonight. Um, Mel Tucker definitely taking the program in the right direction, but who knows? And then Rucker or um, Maryland at five and seven. Obviously, two as brother and all that's good. You have a lot of good receivers coming back, or they have. Receivers kind of coming back and Dante Demuse and all them. Tan Fleet Davis, I think, will be good running back. But I think that this, this still this team still has a long way to go. Obviously, their off their offensive line has been absolutely horrible. I mean, Tua's brother is going to get killed the same way Tua did if they don't be careful. They have Rutgers at three and nine. Uh, really good team compared to previous years. I think that this 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 division is too hard for them. Um, the West Division I have. Let's see. I think I was gonna bring it home, but I think it's just it's just too it's I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be I don't see a clerk a favorite in this team. I think this division's gonna be a total mess. I have Iowa at nine and three, I have Wisconsin at nine and three. I think Iowa carries a tiebreaker because I think Iowa's gonna beat Wisconsin because Wisconsin is not as I think two years ago I had Wisconsin winning the division. Um I was right on that. Was wrong about them last year because I mean the thing is I I mean first of all we don't know what to, we don't know what to expect out of Wisconsin this year, especially after we. I mean, week one, um, Wisconsin. I think was probably the, watching them, watching Graham Mertz dominate. I think he threw like three, three or four touchdowns in the first half. Receivers looked great. They looked they looked great up front on both sides of the ball. And then they got they got destroyed by COVID. Had a number of guys leave and whatever. And they ended up going. I think it was four and three or something like that. It's not a good season at all. They, this team also, I mean, so now you have a team. Look at this roster. Um, it's not too impressive. I mean, we're talking about two years ago. This team had um, this. Not only this team have. Let's see here. Look up the roster from two years ago. 
So two years ago, not only did this team have Jonathan Taylor and Tyler Biotis, who was an early offensive lineman draft pick, Cole Van Lannen, who could very well be a pick this year. But on defense, they had Zach Bond and Isaiah Loudermilk. And let's see, you know, it's not, not really much else, but they still had, I believe Noah Burks, I believe he went to the Packers, did he? I think so, but anyway. A number of guys who were really good up front. They also had Garrett Groshek, who's now, I believe, plays for the Raiders now. So this team had a number of guys up front. And now, I guess, to, to be... Wisconsin having that Paul Christ pro offense. I mean, it, I mean, I don't see any. I mean, every good run, every good Wisconsin team has had the best teams. If I mean, 2011, I think it was they had when they won the Big Ten title. They had Mont. They had not only they had, not only they had Russell Wilson, but they also had Monty Ball. In the pre, in those, I think it's from 2016 and 2018 when they were, they were good all those years. They had. John Taylor. I think it was from 2013 to no 2014 to 16 they had Melvin Gordon. Now they have nobody. I mean, I, I just don't see how this team wins a Big Ten title without that same physicality that they've had in previous years. Unless it would, it would take Mertz having a really good season. Purdue having third, I think seven and five. Yeah, I, I think after after this it just comes to, it's gonna be a total mess. Purdue have at seven and five. I think they probably have really good receiving core, led by David Bell, Jack Stanthrop, and all those guys. And Minnesota at six and six. I had them at seven and five, six and six, whatever. But tough schedule. I mean, pretty. This team is already awfully banged up for being this early into the season. I mean, yeah, you have Tanner Morgan, but I mean, you're you're telling me that. Uh, I mean, you lose, you lose Clay, Gary, and Chris Ottman-Bell already. Gary being out for the season. You lose Muhammad Ibrahim to a possibly season-ending foot injury. Their defense, I mean, they're blowing. I mean, I saw I saw Boy Mafe, who was, who was supposed to be this big-time sleeper, defensive end for the Gophers. I saw him totally bust a play. Boya being a guy who actually competed against in track in high school, by the way. Um, I saw Ohio State run a counter or a, a stretch or an inside zone handoff. And instead of keeping inside contained, Boya cut in and tried to go and try to go in for the go, go in from in the backfield, leaving him wide open, which is wide, leaving the whole right side of the field wide open for an easy 50 yard touchdown. Which doesn't sound too significant, but in reality, it's probably the most. It's probably the equivalent of getting toasted on as a corner, or giving up a set, giving up a major sack on the offensive line. It's or throwing a pick six in football as a quarterback. It's it's a sign of just plain bad decision making and bad coaching. Going in on a run play is the worst thing you could possibly do. As a defensive end, Nebraska at five and seven, Illinois four and eight. I don't know. This team, this team is is experienced, but it's not really good talent wise, which is why I'm four and eight. Even though I, I like them, I like Illinois as a team. I don't think they they I don't think they'll be a four and eight team skill wise, but I think it's possible they do it just 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 based on the competition and this this mess of a division. Then Northwestern at four and eight. I mean, this it is very typical of what you see out of um, these private academic type schools like Stanford, Duke, um, Northwestern, Wake Forest, Duke. Is they bring, they have a group of really good guys on certain years, but once they all graduate off the NFL, they lose. They, they it takes a while for them to retool because I guess they're not really. They're somewhat top-heavy, but they also, since they're private school and they're such a small school, it takes them a while to reload. Down in the Big 12, uh, I have Oklahoma going 11-1. People are really high on them. I mean, Spencer Rattler is solid. 
Um, Kennedy Brooks is solid. But I, in my personal opinion, um, I don't think this, especially from the offensive side of the ball, I don't think this team talent-wise is nearly as good as the teams they've had in the past, which is why I think I find it tough to think that they're going to finish with a better record than the previous teams. Yes, their defense is, is a lot better. I think they, have a, they actually do have a couple of guys that could go pretty early in the draft. Um, I think in Winfrey, um, in Benito, and some of those other linebackers. And uh, Dallara and Turner Yell, Turner Yell. But I have a hard time. While I think that they'll. While I do think that their defense is going to make them more competitive on the national level, I think. It's gonna co- it's gonna cost some explosiveness. I think will maybe maybe make them lose a few games or so. Second of Iowa State at ten and two. I think this is gonna be a really good team. Probably the best team in Iowa State history with Purdy and Brees Hall. But I think it's I think it's they can't have any hiccups like they did against um, like they did in their game against um, Louisiana last year. So. After that, I have Texas at nine and three. Um, they have a, they have some good eyes on offense, definitely. Their quarterback looked good in the the bowl game against Colorado in the Allen Bowl last year. They have a number of good guys in Roshan Johnson and I believe another guy who were five star recruits in high school. I believe that Steve Sarkeesian bought a number of really good linebacking transfers, so. Here, um, yeah, they also have a. They also had another, yeah, they had another five store. Yeah, another recruit in um, Keelan Rob. They bring in Keelan Robinson from Alabama, and they were, they returned pretty much all the receivers and tight ends, and yeah, they turned their, their whole secondary. So this, I think this this is gonna be really good. What we can know for sure is this is gonna be really good secondary in a very talented passing league, so that could help them beat teams like, I don't know, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and all that. Maybe make them more well-equipped to beat a team like TCU that's dominant on the, on the round. Then speaking of TCU, actually, I believe I had them projected to finish next in the division at 8-4. and four. I had them tie with Oklahoma State, sorry. In Oklahoma State, I've, I've talked, it was a team I talked about. Well, first of all, TCU, they're, they're very dependent on running the ball, so if they can run the ball well with uh, Duggan and their other and their guy, I believe it's Evans. That that'll be key to a good season for them. Oklahoma State. This is probably the this is arguably the most important season if you think about it in school history for them, because obviously this, the future for the Big Twelve is uncertain. Um, who knows what a uh, Big tw- what what Oklahoma State's aspirations are if once Oklahoma State and uh, Texas finally bolted the division. They're they're kind of the odd team out because um, behind, I mean, you, arguably Oklahoma State's probably the number three team across all sports behind Oklahoma, Oklahoma, sorry, Oklahoma, Texas. So they're out of the odd team out. But if Oklahoma State were to go, were to pull off a season like they did back in 2013 or 2011 when they went, when they were one of the top five, you know, ranked as high as the top, inside the top five. I mean, the, con- the conventional wisdom right now is that if the Big Ten were to ex- further expand, that the next two teams in would be Iowa State and Kansas. And also the rumors are that the big- the Pac-12 doesn't want to expand. But what happens if Oklahoma State puts up 11 or 12, or 10, or does, has their best season they've had in seven, eight years and pulls up a 10, 11, or 11, 12 win season. Upset some teams. Do you not think that the Big Ten or the Pac-12 would want to add them? And also, what would happen if... So that's, that's what happens if they have a good season, but if they have a bad a bad season, to understand what how much is at stake in this, in this season and how important this season is for Oklahoma State, if they do bad, they go from a... Universally, rec- universally recognized Power Five school, by you know, to a argue you know on the same level as o- as the Oklahomas, the Texases, the Kansases, 
and all the Texas A&M's and the LSU's to being arguably a mid-major school. I mean, they're being. I mean, they could be. They could be basically be demoted to a mid-major school, an AAC level, AAC level school, if they do not play well this year. So if I am in the athletic department at Oklahoma State, I am doing all I can to ensure that this team is successful this year because I do not want to lock myself into a, to having a future of being a simple mid-major school like a UCF or Tulsa or Houston. After that, I have uh, West Virginia, which they have a Daggy and a Letty Brown and a good defense, but I think after... This is kind of the middle of the pack here. I then have Texas Tech, who I think is kind of an underrated, under-overlooked team with all of their defense returning. I mean, when you think of Texas Tech, you think of Mahomes, you think of um, you think of Graham Harrell, you think of Arid offense, you think of Kingsbury. But this team is really good in defense now, ever since Matt Wells came in. They returned 12 guys from that defense, so they should be good. They also have the bring in Tyler Shuck as a transfer from Oregon. With the, the Ezukana guy who was one of the top guys in the Big 12, I believe was his name. So I think this team is, for a team that has a total between of wins between four and five, I think this team will be pretty solid. And they also almost knocked up Texas, Texas last year, can't forget. I then have, let's see, Kansas State at five and seven. They do, yeah, they, yeah, they return Kyler Smith and Deuce Vaughn but I just don't know about this Chris Kleiman offense and the skill set of a lot of these players. I mean, they're, they're, they just don't have – they have solid guys, but they don't have upside. So that's why I'm at 5-7. and seven. So I then have uh, Baylor going 3-9 and nine and Kansas at 1-11. Uh, Baylor's has so much turnover. I don't know what got to this point, frankly. I don't know the SEC East. Georgia school I mentioned eleven and zero. I think Georgia. The thing about Georgia is that they have really nice. Is, that, is they probably have the most favorable schedule of anyone in the SEC. This team is not, this is a team that remember does not have to face Alabama, does not have to face LSU, and does not have to face Texas Texas A and M. Instead, they have um, I believe they have Arkansas, Auburn, and um, one other. I believe it's Ole Miss. So. Um, this is a very this is pro, I can't I mean in 2018 this team or sorry 20 yeah 2018 this team lost to this team had to face LSU and lost so that was pretty big significant then but um now they so basically the only really I believe the only ranked team they will pl- they'll or sorry in all likelihood that will be ranked when they face them they'll probably be just that Florida game in Jacksonville the world world's largest cocktail party or sorry no I sorry Georgia going twelve and my bad it's eleven and one probably twelve and one when they lose if they, if they would lose hypothetically to Alabama in a SEC championship but I have Georgia going twelve and one in the regular season because I have them beating Clemson tomorrow. Or today, Florida I'm going nine and three. Um, I think it's a pretty conservative thing. I, I mean the the public the conventional wisdom is that they'll lose those three games to um, LSU, Georgia, and uh, Alabama. Which I think they could have a chance at winning one of those three games, but I mean, even if they did, I think I could just as easily I could see them beating in Alabama, Georgia, or LSU. I could just as easily just as easily see them see them losing to a Kentucky on the road, who, by the way, has given Florida trouble in a couple of games over the past three years. But also losing to a team like Missouri, who also went into the swamp and beaten that knocked them off just a, just a few years back. This team is Emory Jones. This team has a stacked backfield. And a defense that hopefully will be better. Um, this team was mo- really big time offensive juggernaut, but not so much on the defensive side. So we'll have to see. I did a Missouri at seven and five. Don't know too much about them, but they have a really favorable schedule. I think I really do believe that this team has a chance at starting to see if this this team could 
keep an eye on this Missouri team, I think, because we'll have a quarterback in Boslock and a number of solid players and Elijah Drinkwitz in the second season. Keep an eye on them because this team could really quickly jump high in the rankings because if they can beat if they can knock off Kentucky on the road week two, this is a team that could start win their first, I don't know, six or so games. This team could start eight and one or something like that. This team could have could this team is could you could look up on week and all of a sudden see them saying, Wow, Missouri's eight and one. And I believe they're out of yeah, they have a pretty favorable schedule because the big the SC, SC East is really thin. Then they have Tennessee at seven and five. Um, this, they, this team is not I'm not too fond of, not a big fan of because they they lost it. This team was a mess last year. They had a lot of guys transfer out. Yeah, and plus they're, they're revamping their offense from a pro offense to a spread offense. They also have a number of guys. They have a quarterback mess have Joe Milton who sucked at Michigan who apparently is going to revive his career at a, in a tougher conference at a more competitive at a, a tougher conference in a a more I guess larger more widespread fan base um Kentucky have it seven and five after that seems always I'm playing tough but I think it'll be tough to um get it past seven wins and I have South Carolina this is where it gets really bad. South Carolina's a total joke. Their quarterback is literally the team manager. Disgrace. Yeah, that's right. You heard that right. Their quarterback, their starting quarterback this year is a is the team manager. Look it up. Will Muschamp ripped this. this I mean, think about where this program was with Steve Spurrier. Now Will Muschamp literally tore this thing, literally burned this thing to the ground. What a disaster this thing is in. At least they have a running back, I believe, is in Kevin Harris, probably the best running back in college football. So that's the one bright spot. But South Carolina sucks, and Vanderbilt obviously. I'm at three and nine. Yeah, South Carolina, I'm at four and eight. In the West, Alabama, I think I have it eleven and one. Um, yeah, I'm eleven one. A and M, I have. I think I have them 11 on one as well, but I have Alabama with a tiebreaker, so that's why I have um, Alabama going to the championship. Uh, LSU, um, they also have a kind of favorite because they also don't have to face Georgia. Then you got a conference thing. I mentioned, I talked about them a lot on Wednesday. Seems a chance to improve a lot. I have them going 10 and 2. Respectable losses, only two. Um, respectable losses, only two. Um, and and Bama. Uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss, I believe, is the team I have going nine and three with losses only two. Let's see here. Should this be sure here? The Ole Miss is the team I'm going nine and three here. So, yeah, like I said, um. Corral's a really great quarterback, but yeah, he turns the ball over way too damn much. Um, so that'll be tough. It'll be tough to win a lot of games in this division, but that's where I'm at. See, Auburn, I have it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've, yeah, I have Auburn at seven and five as well, along with Art. Tied with Arkansas. Bonex, I think, is solid, but I think I think Auburn has a chance to remind. I think those this team will be a lot closer to the team this, that Auburn was two years ago than they were now. Um, because it well, I guess, uh, Knicks has the experience of quarterback now, but I guess also their defense is gonna be really great. They have a number of guys I think that could pot that are probably gonna be um they're probably gonna be um NFL draft picks. Not maybe not quite Derek Brown level, but um, I mean this, they have yeah Zacoby McLean and uh, Smoke Monday and all those guys. I think have a chance to be really good. And then obviously at the bottom I have well if Mississippi State at five and seven. Going to the Pac-12 quick. I have Oregon at ten and two. 
a lot of the same guys at receiver, the skill positions at receiver, Verdell and Johnson and Red and all them. And it's really good on the skill positions. Washington, I have it 9-3. and three. Cal at 6-6. Six and six. Solid defense, but who knows what's, what's going on with them as usual. Stanford, I have it 6-6. Six and six. I think they're quarter, they have really good tools, but I guess who knows what to expect out of Stanford as well. Wazoo have it five and seven. Oregon State have it two and ten. Yeah, Stanford is no same situation as Northwestern. But I think that they, I think they do have some pieces there. I really do. With Austin Jones and David West, I think, and Thomas Booker as well. Really good defensive end. In the South, they have USC at ten and two. Again, really good quarterback, really good receivers. But the question is, how good is the complete roster? I think with a quarterback like Slovis, they could really be good. Utah have eleven and one, so. But I think USC will have a tiebreaker to get there. Um, yeah, this team, yeah, Brewer and the running backs really good. I have Utah at 11 and 1. UCLA have at 8 and 4. Um, and then Colorado at 3 and 9. Arizona State have at 9 and 3. This team is going to be good. They're plagued by scandals with Herm Edwards. But then they can still pound the 9 and 3 season just because on talent alone with Jaden Daniels and all those guys, recruits that Herm Edwards bought in. Then I have Colorado at 3 and 9. and Arizona two and ten, so pretty long to get that in, but yeah, those are my predictions. I'll have to figure that out or what else I want to do the next week with NFL predictions and all that. So that's good for NFL cultural or prediction. So include we have Clemson and North Carolina in the ACC. We have Ohio State and Iowa in the Big Ten. We have Oklahoma, Iowa State in the Big Twelve. Georgia and Alabama in the SEC, and U and USC and Oregon. In the Pac-12. 